dive right into the message today. Uh, at the end of the message, we're going to be giving, we, we put it on social media. Uh, how many of us, how many do not follow the hills on Instagram? Raise your hand. Right? I want you to do it right now. If you have Instagram, take your phone out, follow us on Instagram, follow us on Twitter, all right? I'm going to tell you another one you need to follow is the Hills Kids. They are killing it. you got to follow the Hills Kids and the Hills Youth as well. Uh, but make sure you're following the Hills on Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, because we're always talking about stuff that's coming up. So those of you that follow us, you know that we're, making, uh, we're giving you a, an update today about our building. Let's go. Amen. How many are ready for an update? A little update, yeah. So we're going to be doing that today after the message. So I'm going to spend, I'm going to dive into the message today. So we've got some time uh, to, to speak on that. So I want you to do me a favor because I'm bringing it, we're going to bring it fast, okay? But just because we come fast doesn't mean it ain't going to be strong, all right? So I want you to buckle up, get your seatbelt. How many had your Wheaties this morning? You ready? Because we're going strong. We've been in a series called Now What, where we've been talking about those moments in your life after tragedy or after triumph where you have to recalibrate. It's this now what kind of moment. How many have said that phrase this week? Something happened and you're like, well, now what? All right. You got my latte wrong. Now what? What do I do? It's these, these moments where you stop and you go, now, now, now what? Well, I want to talk about one of the most now what moments in the Bible? You know, last week we talked about Job, who knew what it was like to have a now what kind of season. Well, I want to really dive into this moment that is a now what moment, probably, probably one of the most, most powerful now what moments in the Bible. Israel was in bondage to Egypt for 430 years. That's a long time for anything, right? Much less bondage. Israel had been in bondage for 430, or Israel had been in bondage to Egypt for 430 years. During this time, uh, they, were, they, were, they were slaves, they were, they were abused, they were, they were murdered, and they cried out to God. And the scripture says God heard their cry and he sent Moses to them. And I love the song and the scripture that says, and God delivered them with a mighty hand. Aren't you glad you serve a God that has a mighty hand? Matter of fact, I think he's got two mighty hands, but I'm glad he's got a mighty hand. Look at your neighbor and say, our God is a mighty God. And so... If, if you've never read the story, you need to go back and read the story. Uh, I would recommend you reading Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Numbers gets a little boring, but I'd recommend you you're reading those because there's some amazing stories in there that they've made movies about, they've written books about. But if you just read the stories, there's enough drama and action going on in that story. And so Moses shows up to Pharaoh and he says, I'm here, I'm a voice piece, from, I'm a mouthpiece for, for God and I want you to let my people go. And if you read the story of Pharaoh, like you are crazy. And so God does something and then he says, and Pharaoh goes, okay, okay, I'm going to let him go. And starts to let him go, changes his mind. And Pharaoh comes back again, let my people go. And this goes on and on. And you've heard about the plagues that, that come through Egypt, frogs and, and just uh, pestilence and people dying and blood, water turning into blood. And I mean, it's just crazy stuff going on. And finally, Pharaoh goes, okay, after, after he had lost his firstborn son and all the firstborn in, in Egypt had been, had been killed, he said, okay, let, my, let them go. I'm, okay, they can go. Get out of here. Matter of fact, I'm done with it. Go. 
And so the scripture says as they, this massive movement of people leaves Egypt. And not only are they leaving Egypt, but they're leaving Egypt richer than when they showed up in it. They've, they've looted their, their neighbors and they're leaving with all this, all this stuff. God has done a, a great work. Everybody say a great work. And now they stand at the Red Sea. And then not only do they stand at the Red Sea, but behind them in Egypt, Pharaoh changes his mind again. And he goes, you know what? He rounds up all of his best soldiers, all of his best chariot drivers, and, and he says, all right, here we go. We're going after them. We're going to get them back. And so all of the best warriors in Egypt take off after Israel. So now I want you to picture this. Here they are, Red Sea, and here comes the guys that have massacred and murdered them for 430 years, and you were right. You were just ahead of your time. I want everybody on the count of three to say what they had to be saying. One, two, three. Now what? I don't want you to say now what. I want you to say it when they got your latte wrong. That way, I want you to go, now what? Okay, one, two, three. Say it. Uh Uh-huh, so y'all, did y'all say anything? Come on, everybody on the count of three. One, two, three. Now what? That's exactly what they're doing. They're facing this, this moment. God has just delivered them. And now here they are in this now what moment. Let's pick up the story in Exodus 14 and 10. As Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked. Everybody go, ah! There was your chance. And when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them, they cried out to the Lord. And they said to Moses, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you that this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. Listen to this. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. But Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. Somebody needs to hear that this morning right now. Don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. I love this. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just chill out. (laughs) Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Pick up your staff and raise your hand over the sea. Divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down because I'm going to refer to it a couple of more times and I want you to make sure you get this. I want you to get it today. I want you to get it for Tuesday, for Thursday, and then we roll back around on Saturday, okay? I want you to get this. Every now what moment is an opportunity for us to respond in either fear or faith. Every now what season is an opportunity for us to respond in either fear or faith. Fear comes because of a lack of faith. I'm going to say that again. Fear comes because of a lack of faith. You don't fear something that you have faith is going to be all right, right? Right? It's this thing on us. Like, I just don't, I, I just don't know. I have, a, I have a, a, a dreadful fear of snakes, okay? Lightning and snakes. Those are the two things I just can't have anything to do with, all right? 
And, and, uh, and, and I, I don't like, like uh, Larry Hines would say, I don't like a, 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 a live snake, a dead snake, or a stick that looks like a snake. I just don't like any of them. Chris and I were riding our bikes yesterday, and we are driving to this beautiful trail, and there's this big field that's out, and the grass is about this high. And I look out there, and it's like a long way across. I told her, I said, if you gave me $1,000, I would not walk across that field right now. <laughs> How about you? She said, depends on the day. And I said, I've got to be honest, if you offered me $10,000, I would have to think twice about walking across that field. Why? Because I have this fear that God's not going to protect me from the snakes. Right? So fear is always based in a lack of faith. Come on, am I talking to anybody besides my snake-scared self right now? Amen? One thing I want to point out about our passage that we read a moment ago. Is, is the Egyptians crowd to God, they, 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 they talk to Moses. And I love what the Lord says to Moses. Why are you crying out to me? What is in your hand? One translation says that. Why are you crying to me? What is in your hand? I've already given you a rod. And remember this staff, that this shepherd's staff that Moses had probably from his days of tending sheep before he became the deliverer of Israel. God had used this staff multiple times to perform signs and wonders, right? And so God says to him, why are you crying out to me? What do you have in your hand? Take the thing that I've already given you and use it to move into where I want you to go. Let me tell you today, God will always prepare you in your previous season for your next season. He will always give you what you need so that you can go to your next. Moses, you had the staff. You've seen it work. Use it. David, you have a sling. That's why David didn't put on Saul's armor. David said, no, no, I've used this thing. I've seen it work. Some of y'all or some of you, some of us, are trying to go to another level by doing new things. Why don't you take what God's already given you, has proven in your life, your abilities, your talents, your passion, your intellect, use it for what God wants you to move into. Can I hear a big amen today? You don't need new stuff. You need a perspective shift. God didn't want to give Moses a new new piece of equipment. He had already given him the staff. What God needs to give us is a perspective shift, not new tools. There needs a, a shift in our perspective from fear to faith. And Moses believed God and was obedient to God. And because of this, the Red Sea parted. Everybody say believed obedient you got to do both you can't just believe you got to obey you can't just hear it you got to do it Moses believed it he had faith in God but he also obeyed what God told him to do you know how dumb that must have looked just stretching that staff out over the Red Sea and here comes Pharaoh like this now what this oh okay we're gonna die while, it, while Moses responded out of faith, Israel responded just the, other, the, other, uh, just the opposite. As, our, as the scripture tells us, they responded out of, they said they, they fear. They, the Bible says they panicked because they did not have faith that the God who just delivered them with a mighty hand was going to deliver them again. No faith. How dumb is that? Why would God do all that just to let them die right here? 
And the result of their, remember, faith, lack of faith brings about fear. Man, I just said it. Come on, let's try it again. Lack of, now you know why we say things about 18 times. Lack of faith brings about fear. The result of their fear was they started complaining. You ever been around somebody that complains all the time? Don't nudge your spouse, okay? Come on, you ever been around somebody? Maybe you are someone that complains all the time. That's all rooted in fear, which is rooted in a lack of faith. You complain because you have a fear that things aren't going to work out the way they need to work out. And so you complain about it. One trend, uh, you also find two more words when it talks about complaining, murmuring and grumbling. Those are words you, you see in the Bible. And, and this, is not the first or the la- this is not the last time that you see the Israelites grumbling. They, they grumbled and murmured. Through. Matter of fact, their complaining was systemic. It was, it was something that they did all the time. They, you read, read the scripture, you'll see it. They complain about having no food. And then God sends food and they complain about, we got to eat the same thing every day. They complain about no water. Then they complain about the water's bitter. Matter of fact, it's amazing to me, out of all the times you find them complaining, the majority of it is about food and water. Come on, how many of y'all Yelp users are the same way, just upset, so bad? They complain against their leadership. Moses and Aaron and Joshua and Caleb, and they complained against God. And so God would just get fed up with it. And he would like, okay, I'm sending a plague in. He would send a plague in and just wipe people out. God does not like complaining. And then they would complain, so he sent snakes in. Remember that? Poisonous snakes just started biting everybody. That's why. Why did he send the snakes in the plague? Because they were murmuring and complaining. There was one time where there was a group of them complaining and murmuring, and God's like, I am so done with this. And he just let the ground open up and swallow them and close back up. Look at your neighbor and say, God does not like murmuring and complaining. And it all comes, it all comes to a head at another now what moment. Because you know God did not just want to deliver them out of Egypt. He wanted to take them to the promised land. Come on, help me preach right now. Because sometimes I think we, we focus so much on what God brought us out of that we don't talk about what God's taken us to. And that's when the now what moment can be depressing and frustrating. Keep your eye on the prize. God has promised us we're going somewhere, but as long as you start thinking about where you came from, suddenly even Egypt starts looking good. Don't make me preach on a Sunday morning. So now they are standing at, at, at Canaan. They're, they're standing at the Jordan River, and this is the promised land. God has already told them it's yours. That's the reason it's called the promised land. I've promised it to you. It's yours. You're my people. It's yours. He's been, been promising this to them for years. You've got a, a place. And now they stand here, and it's a, another now what moment is there the border. Remember I told you a moment ago that every now what moment and season is an opportunity for us to respond in either fear or faith. Remember that? So here they are. God has promised it, so they have this bright idea to send 12 spies over to check it out. Because we know you're God, but we don't quite trust you, okay? 
we want to get our own boots on the ground and get figured out. And so they send 12 spies over. Ten of those spies come back with a fear-filtered report that says, man, these people are big. Matter of fact, they're so big, we look like grasshoppers around them. We cannot take this land. There's no way. Two of them come back with a faith-filtered report. They say, baby, we can do it. Let's take it. Come on, let's go. There are grapes over there that are so big that we have to, you have to put them on a stick. They're like cantaloupes and watermelon. That's the grapes that are over there, man. But did you see the giants? Forget the giants, baby. Did you see the grapes? So you got fear and you got faith and that's filtered through. And so finally, Israel sides with the fear-filtered report and they say, we just can't do it. And then they begin to, because of their lack of faith, came fear. And because of their fear, they started murmuring and complaining and grumbling. And God says this, I'm about to wipe them all out. He literally says this to Moses and Aaron. He says, they're done. I'm wiping everyone. I'm sending a plague. I'm wiping them all out. I'll keep you two. And from you two and your family, we'll create a race, a generation bigger, nation bigger than this ever. All right? Look at your neighbor and say, you think God needs you, don't you? Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Don't say that. That's probably not good. (laughs) That's going to come up in an argument later on this week. You think God needs you. (laughs) He's ready to wipe them out because they're grumbling and complaining. And the scripture says, Moses and Aaron fell on their face and begged God, please, God, don't kill them. I got to be honest, there's some days that they're better men than I am. But I find out somebody talking about me and God said, I'll wipe them out. Get them. You wipe them out right now. You take them out. Take them out. And do it slowly, okay? <laughs> Come on, can I hear somebody just be an honest amen today? <laughs> A little suffering would be good. Thank God for a pastor's heart, amen? <laughs> Thank God for that. But it, it, it is this thing. Sometimes we feel it. Christians are like, Argh. and it's like, oh, God, please don't kill them. Please don't kill them. I know they've been disobedient. I know they haven't listened to their mamas and daddies and teachers and pastors, but God, please have mercy on them. Please have mercy on them. And this is what Moses and Aaron did. They fall on their face, and they, they beg God, and God says, okay. Hey, don't ever, don't ever belittle prayer, all right? They changed God's mind. God says, okay. And then look at uh, Numbers 14, 21. Nevertheless, as surely as I live and as surely as the glory of the Lord fills the whole earth, not one of those who saw my glory and signs I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness, but who disobeyed me and tested me 10 times. I put up with them for 10 times. Now you read, they did it about four more times. There's 14 different times that they disobeyed, tested God, grumbled, and complained. But he says this, Because they've done this, not one of them will ever see the land I promise on oath to their ancestors. No one who has treated me with contempt will ever see it. But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to and his descendants will inherit it. Now watch this. Since the Amalekites and the Canaanites are living in the valleys, turn back tomorrow and set toward the desert along the route to the what? Right where they had come from. Faith moves you forward. Fear and unbelief always moves you backward. 
If you wonder why you've been in a situation and a season for a long time and you're upset, you may want to start looking. Are you moving out of fear or are you moving out of faith? Because if you move out of faith, God's going to help you move forward. If you move out of fear, you're always going to be backpedaling, backtracking, and backsliding. Amen? Didn't mean to get old school with the backslide word, but there it is. Then he goes on to say, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, verse 26, how long will this wicked community grumble against me? I have heard the complaints of these grumbling Israelites. So tell them, as surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do the very thing I heard you say. Remember when you said you're going to die in the wilderness? Well, that's exactly what you're going to do. In this wilderness, your bodies will fall. Every one of you, 20 years old or more, who was counted in the census and who was grumbled against me, not one of you will enter the land I swore with uplifted hand to make your home, except for Caleb and Joshua. Why would God, who promised them the promised land, now say, you're not going in? Murmuring, grumbling, complaining. Let me just, let me make this, I want to make a little, a little caveat here. It's okay to have a complaint, Okay? That's not what we're talking about. It's okay to have a complaint, but you've got to handle it the right way. It's okay to say, I don't like this. I don't necessarily agree with this, but you've got to handle it the right way. You've got to go to the person. Let them know. The Bible is very clear how to handle it. Go to your leader. Say something. Instead of, instead of here's what happens. It, the complaining is not as bad. It's when the complaining turns into grumbling and murmuring. You know what grumbling is? Grumbling is complaining among yourself. It's when you have a grumbling gathering, okay? <laughs> let's all get together and let's just talk about the stuff we don't like. And it's not helping anything. You're not going to the person who can make it change. You're not telling them, I don't like the way your breath smells, okay? Here is an Altoid. <laughs> Instead, you get a gathering together and talk about how bad their breath smells. You just put whatever you want in that, okay? A gathering of our boss is terrible. And why are we using this system for this? And why are we doing that? Nothing's happening except you've got a grumbling gathering going on. And it ticks God off. Grumbling. That's That's when you grumble among yourself. Murmuring in the original Hebrew means this, to talk with your hand over your mouth. You know what I'm talking about. Can you believe... She did that. I don't know why they would ever do something. How many know about murmuring? That's, that's what murmuring is when you begin to do this. Here's the issue with grumbling and murmuring. Come on, sit up and listen to me. Let me talk to you as a pastor today. I want to help your marriage, okay? Instead of you talking to your kids about what you don't like about what your husband does, how about you and your husband sit down and talk about it? Okay? Your kids don't need to deal with that. They don't need to hear that mess, okay? Y'all work it out. Oh, preacher meddling now. Instead of complaining and murmuring and all this stuff, here's the problem with grumbling and murmuring. It sows discontent and it shows cowardice. If you murmur, complain, and grumble to somebody else about someone and won't tell them you're a coward. You hear what I'm saying? You're just a coward. Now, I grew up, I grew up in Mississippi where everything was syrupy sweet. Nobody offended anybody, all right? 
I mean, they would bring a cold plate of food to me, and I'm paying $20 for it, and I would eat it before I'd say anything back, you know? But as soon as she walked off, can you believe how bad this is? The way we smoothed everything over Mississippi is bless her heart, you know? She's the worst waitress of all time, bless her heart. And then I married this fiery Italian over here, so y'all see her as all sweet and everything. Yeah, and she is, but boy, there's some fire there as well. And she, well, first time we went out to eat and they brought a cold meal. She said, hold up, come get this, take it back. I was like, baby, we can't do that. Oh, yes, we can. That marinara is all watery. I ain't eating this mess. Take it back. Y'all, one time we went to a, rest, a Shoney's restaurant and, I, and they, the food was late coming out and nothing was coming. I looked up. She was back in the kitchen I'm telling the truth, bringing plates out to people, helping people get their plates. Don't mess with my little Italian, I'm going to tell you right now. Why do you think God gets so mad about murmuring and complaining? Because it shows a lack of belief. It shows our lack of faith. I murmur and complain because I have a fear that nothing's going to change. My fear is based on I don't have faith in God. So when you and I murmur and complain, we're saying to him, I do not trust you. Come on, let me hear an amen on that one. And unbelief will keep you from moving to your next. i got to hurry. Hebrews 3.16. Who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those that Moses led out of Egypt? And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not those who sinned, whose bodies perished in the wilderness? And to whom did God swear that they would not enter into his rest, if not those who disobeyed? Listen to this, verse 19. So we see that they were not able to enter the promised land because of their unbelief. Unbelief will keep you from moving into your next, and it will keep you in a now what season. Could it be that you're in a season longer than you want to be because you just don't believe? And because of your unbelief, you have fear. And because of your fear, you murmur and complain. You complain about your marriage. You complain about God. You complain about your boss. You complain about leadership. You talk about your pastor. I hope not. But you just you, you talk about your president. You talk about your governor. You talk about the principal. You talk about your neighbor. You just think. This is grumbling and complaining. I want to stop that. No faith can be built in that kind of community, amen? Amen. And by doing so, you're telling God, I don't think you're big enough. I don't think you're strong enough. Listen to me, Hills. A now what season is an opportunity for us to show God that we trust him. When you're in a now what season and you're facing the Red Sea and you've got Pharaoh's army coming from the back, that's the moment for you to say, okay, God, I don't know how it's going to work out. Now what? But I trust you. But maybe more importantly, a now what season is an opportunity for us to show God he can trust us. Why would God allow us into our necks with the kind of attitude we've had in the now what? I believe that God is calling, God is calling for someone like Moses that will take what God has put in your hand, take what God has given you, Believe God's word and act in belief to God's word in obedience. Not just hear it, but do something with it. I believe that God is calling for a Joshua or a Caleb 
that have a different attitude than everybody else. And while everybody else is grumbling and complaining, you stand up and go, hold up, we don't talk way that, that way around here. No, 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 no. Y'all, if y'all gonna have that, go do your grumbling gathering somewhere else, okay? You're not gonna do it in my cubicle. You're not gonna do it in my car. Shut it down. We're not gonna have it, okay? Where it's this strong thing begins to rise, where it's just Joshua and Caleb, they look at the next and they respond in faith. Look at Numbers 14 and 24. This I read it a moment ago, but I want to I want to dig down real quick. Remember, he said, none of y'all, anybody 20 years and older, none of you are gonna enter in except for Joshua and Caleb. Look what he says. But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to and his descendants will inherit it. Everybody say different spirit. In the King James, it says another spirit. That word another in the original Hebrew means this, the next spirit. Remember, the only people that are going to enter in are 19 and younger. That's the only people that are going to ever enter in. And so God says, there's something about you, Caleb. I know you're old, buddy, but you got a next generation spirit. You don't think like all these people. You don't talk like these people. You don't react like these people. So because of that, I'm going to allow you, because you've got an attitude of the next, I'm going to let you enter into your next. Come on. I believe that God is looking for folks that will look at the next through eyes of faith instead of looking at the now in fear and unbelief. Come on, how many of you are ready to move forward into your next? Come on, how many are ready to move forward into your next? Amen? I want you to close your eyes for just a moment. I want to pray over you. How many of you right now would just be very open and honest and say, I need God to intervene in my situation right now? Raise your hand. Nobody looking around. Raise your hand. I need God to intervene. Lord, you see every hand right now. And I believe that you're going to do the work that you do so well. You're going to intervene in their situation. You're going to intervene in their situation. By the blood, the word, and the name of Jesus, I thank you for doing it right now. All right, put your hand down. How about those of you today that know that you need a fresh start with Jesus? Maybe you've never even started a relationship with him before. And you want to make today the day. Come on, stepping into your next. Or today as I've talked about this and you realize how, how your attitude has been. and Maybe you've just been in a season of despair and grumbling and upset and frustrated. But today you want a fresh start with Jesus and you want to make a recommitment in your belief to him. If that's you today, just raise your hand. I want a fresh start with Jesus today. I want to, I want to make things fresh and new. Just lift your hand up. We're going to pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I see both of you guys. I see you, buddy, right over there. That's awesome. Thank you so much. All right, I want everybody to open your eyes. Come on, repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you that we have a next ahead of us. Today, I'm focusing on that. Forgive me for my unbelief and my fear and my grumbling and murmuring. Let me have an attitude of faith. I'm looking forward to living with you forever, beginning right now. In the mighty name of Jesus, everybody say amen. Come on, let's celebrate today with these folks that prayed this prayer.